one of his fantastic daughters. Um, Zoe is here. We've got um, Larissa and Jarida. I said that right, didn't I? Bosh. So we've got Larissa and Jarida. He's from Emmanuel Church. Um, I'd like to have said I've grown up watching uh, Simon lead worship at New Day. I was really old at the start of New Day, so I haven't grown up at all. But I've seen um, both Simon and Anna lead thousands of young people to adore the presence of God, which is a real special thing. Um, I know that uh, Simon's part of the leadership team down in Emmanuel, and I know that he loves the word of God, he loves the bride of Christ, and he loves his family. And so I'd love for you to put your hands together and give a real warm welcome uh, to Simon Brading, everyone. Very kind of you. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here with you again. I say again, I was here, I think, last month for the um, men's evening, the man food thing. Give us a hands up if you were there. It's great to be with you, gents, together. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to speak today on the topic of worship from a small little paragraph in the Bible. If you have got your Bible with you, um, please can you turn to Hebrews 10? Yes, we're actually going to open up our physical Bibles. Some of you younger people are like, what? The, there's a physical thing, not just like an app? Yep, there is. If you've got your physical one, I would encourage you to open it and read with me. We're going to go to Hebrews 10, 16. If you don't, can I ask, look at your phone, and this, in terms of this case, look at the Bible app, try and ignore those notifications that have come up in the last uh, half an hour. But it'd be nice to read this together. So Hebrews 10, verse 19. I'm going to read through uh, the ESV just while you're finding it. Um, Anna says, hi, our youngest kid, Everly's got chicken pox. And that's happened in the last three days. So she would have been here um, with us. That was the plan. Um, so she's at home with Everly. But it's great to have Zoe here with me. Hey, love. Um, yeah. I tell you, before we read this, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the sense of your presence here. Thank you for a glimpse of you this morning. And thank you, God, you haven't left us guessing today what you're like or how we are to approach you. You've made it really clear in your word. So I just pray, Father, take your word today um, through, through my mouth and by the Spirit of God, it opened the eyes of our hearts to see you and to enjoy you and love you and know you deeper. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's read along then, Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brothers and... Oh, we're going to read it together together. Yeah, go on, let's do this. I like this. Read with me. Oh, that's good, that's good. Okay, Simon says, uh, no. read with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, with a full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Okay, there's so much in there, and way more that I can speak on in 25 minutes. So I'm going to pull out three things for us to help us understand how we are to approach God and how we are to worship Him. Point number one, it says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Question for you this morning, where do you find your confidence when you come to worship God? We all know what it's like to walk into a room, any room, and sometimes feel fearful or apprehensive or anxious or like uncomfortable for whatever reason. And we all know what it's like to walk into a room and feel confident. And in various settings, different things give us confidence. Who's felt the confidence before of just like, just new shoes that are just good? Or just like a, a new, Zoe's got new shoes on today. Or just like a new, a new t-shirt or a new something, you know? Sometimes brands, a certain brand will give you some swag. You're like, oh yeah, this is good. Like, I'm this person, I wear this. Or sometimes your experience. You know, if you're very experienced in a field and you walk into a room of people who are less experienced than you, your experience will give you confidence. That's not wrong. Where do you find your confidence when you come to worship God? What is it that helps you feel like, yeah, I'm here and I'm ready to worship. Yeah, come on, I'm going to go for it. Have you ever had a week, right, like a a superhero, like in it for Jesus, incredible week for God? When you get stirred on a Sunday like this, you're like, right, tomorrow I'm going to get up, I'm going to seek him. You set your alarm a bit earlier than you normally would. You, get up, you read the Bible and he starts to speak to you. That day, you're not just walking around work. You are walking around work full of the Holy Spirit. You are on it and the Lord gives you a little word for somebody. The next day you wake up again and you just, oh, he's speaking to me in the scriptures. You feel a little prompting in the spirit that day to pray for someone at work who's struggling. You, you're obedient. You actually obey. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them. Lord, bless this person. You go through your week and it's just like the sense of the Spirit's power, his voice, his presence around you. You actually have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody that you don't know. We say, I'm a Christian and this is what Jesus has done in my life. You go through, you tell them what they've done. And they go, wow, that's amazing. I'd love to come to your church. Well, I'm going there this Sunday. They have a service at 10.30. Come along. You, you get, you know, you, all through the week. Just sensing God's power, God's voice, God's intimacy. You're walking in obedience to him. When it comes to church that Sunday, and Zoe strikes up the first song, you are like ready to worship. Like, I am in. You look back over this last week, and it's been exceptional. Like, yeah, I'm ready to worship. Or conversely, maybe like me, you've had other weeks where it's felt sluggish and sinful and you, you kind of come away from Sunday, maybe starting the week for good intentions. Maybe something happens at work on a Monday and it really gets under your skin. Like it really annoys you. And you don't properly deal with that annoyance. You wake up the next morning and you thought, I don't, the last thing I want to do is sit and be with God right now. Like I don't. And you don't feed your soul. You go through that day and you're kind of a bit annoyed, a bit raw. Maybe you take it out on someone. Actually, maybe by day three or four, you've probably not sat with the Lord or even felt you could look him in the eye. You actually make a bad decision because of some of the pain from Monday and you choose to sin. You just choose to turn your back on him. Thursday, Friday comes. You're feeling a sense of shame. Shame makes you hide. You're not quite yourself. You know, there's a bit of banter in the room, but deep down you're, you're sad inside, not feeling spiritually close to God. Come to church on a Sunday... So he strikes up the first song. Yeah, you see some keen people over there. 
good for them. Me, I'll probably just sit this one out a little bit. Not fully sit it out, like maybe if it gets really going, I'll just... do this but no I'm not I, I don't yeah I'm not going in all in here can you relate to those two weeks there are days when it's like that days when it's like this what's wrong with those two scenarios when it came to worship both of them you were putting your yourself from drawing near to God because frankly you you feel like you failed and shame is making you hide both of them are not the gospel when we read here in Hebrews 10 19 therefore jubilee since you have confidence to enter the holy places by your awesome performance nope confidence to enter the holy places by what by the by the blood of Jesus. Is it okay to put like, like, you know, like 50% of your confidence in Jesus and the other 50% in your sort of flesh? What about like 80% the blood of Jesus and 20% flesh? No. We are those who are to put 100% confidence on Christ, and this is the beautiful bit for us, 0% in the flesh. 0%. Your confidence and our confidence, when we come to draw near to God, is 100% in what someone else has done by the blood of Jesus. What is this blood language that we're talking about here? This is talking about sacrifices, about atoning and paying for sin. We read in Hebrews 9, the chapter before, um, it talks about Jesus' high priest in verse 26. As it was, he appeared once and for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That sacrifice and through his blood opens the way to the Father. It says in John 14, no one comes to the Father except through me. That means this, Jesus' blood has paid for and atoned for all sin for all time. He has opened up a way to the Father. No one can come to him except through him, only Christ. And on any given Sunday, in a room like this, we've got a whole range of people and experiences in different weeks. Oh, I can't come to God today. You don't know how bad I've been. Oh, you should have seen what I did last week. And the enemy is very good at reminding us of the flesh. Our fault is we listen to him. But what Jesus has done enables us to actually, despite our weakness, even use our weakness, bring it to the cross and say, thank you, God. Even though I've been an absolute rotter this week, and on basically a lot of accounts I've failed, thank you today I can come with confidence to a holy place because of what you've done. And from this place, Standing on the blood of Jesus, I will worship you for what you've done for me. That, friends, is called worship in truth. It's what we heard earlier, just a few minutes ago, John 4, the woman at the well. A time is coming, it's now come, when we worship the Father in truth. So not worship like that, just to be frank, is worship in lies. To stand in the place and say, oh, I can't really go for it today. You are partnering with a lie. 
a lie that has told you it's about you and your flesh. Let's not be, that's beside the point. Today I thank you for what you've done for me and I come running to you. That's what it is to put all of our confidence in the blood of Jesus. Let's be those that do that. Anything less, you know, it's insulting. Stand on the work of Christ. So number one, we put confidence in the blood of Jesus. You walk into this place, be confident. I wake up and pray some mornings and I'm in. I wake up and pray other mornings. It's like emotionally, it's the last thing I want to do. I've learned just to say, to have, almost have a laugh about it. This is so stupid. What, what on earth would I be doing before the king of eternity? Like I really don't deserve to be here. But hey, thank you, Jesus, you paid for me. I always have to pray myself into it. And soon your heart and your spirit and emotion catches up. Second thing is this. Uh, if you follow with me back to, the, to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Notice it doesn't say, since we have confidence, brilliant, by the blood of Jesus, to enter into the sports hall. Or we have confidence by the blood of Jesus to enter into small group. Still, two important things. What does it say? We have confidence by the blood of Jesus to enter the holy places. The holy place. What is the holy place? Just quickly, uh, throughout the Old Testament, you see that the tabernacle and the temple, this is like, you know, back in the first half of your Bible, God told Moses to go and build a tabernacle, big tent. You can see lots of instructions in Exodus. God's very particular when it comes to design, it turns out. Chapter after chapter, like exactly this many beams of wood and this kind of material, and I want these to be these colors. He really cares about the building of his tabernacle, which is interesting. But in it, if you know your Bible, there's an inner kind of curtain that's separated like a holy place. And inside of that was like the most holy place, the holy of holies, where his ark, the ark of the covenant dwelled, and that was the place where his glory his Shekinah glory uh, dwelt on earth. It wasn't like his glory was everywhere in that sense. His manifest glory was inside the Holy of Holies in a very cut-off, separate place. Um, and you see that again a bit later on in the scriptures in, in the temple, the same thing again, the Holy of Holies, the holy place, the most holy place. You couldn't just walk in there, right? If, if even just Who's ever been to New Day? Or Bible Week? You know... Kids have a habit, particularly in the last night, of doing naughty things. And they like to jump over fences or break into places they shouldn't be. Um, I'm not going to make a comment on that. But sometimes, you know, people could break into the big top at, at New Day at night. And that's fine. They've got sensors and alarms and stuff. If you would have broken into the Holy of Holies, it was really clear you would have died. Like that's how holy it was. So for context, since we have confidence, verse 19, to enter the holy places. Say what? We get to enter that place. Uh, it says in Hebrews 9, 24, a bit more just like context here, Christ has entered, so this is Jesus, not into places made with hands, so remember that tent and that tabernacle, that's a physical place. Christ has entered not into places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, 
now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. What that means is all of these temples and these tabernacles, these tents, these are like copies of the actual Holy of Holies in heaven. You follow? And Jesus didn't go down and find the Moses tabernacle somewhere. No, he actually went into the heavenly Holy of Holies on our behalf. And he's gone there so that we can go and have access to the Holy of Holies. And so spiritually, when we come and draw near to God in worship, we aren't just drawing near to a physical location, which we do meet here at 10.30. We don't just draw near to each other. Spiritually speaking, we are drawing near to the, the holy place in heaven. Now, obviously, this is a proximity paradox. Spiritually, we're in heaven. Physically, we're in East Grinstead. But we are actually, it says in in Ephesians, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Spiritually, we are there and we have access to the heavenly places when we draw near to God. When we come to worship, it's holy time. When we draw near to God, we draw near to a holy place. Who sensed that this morning? We aren't just coming to each other or to a PA system in a band. We are coming to draw near to holiness, the actual holy, holy place. In, in Exodus 3, you can see a, the story of a bush that was burning with fire, and God spoke to Moses through that bush. He says, hey, do not come near. The place you're standing on is holy ground. Take your shoes off. Like, okay, gosh. How different it is when we read now in the New Testament because of Jesus. He says, let us draw near to the holy place. You might think holy place, big deal. Yeah, a few fireworks, bit of glory. Sometimes we get a glimpse of the glory of God, and it's you know it's good. Other times, you know, worship times can be a bit boring, or the music's alright, or other things. When we get a glimpse, even a small glimpse of the glory of Christ, we are just getting a fraction of who He is. Have you ever been in a like having a lion on a very hot day, and the curtains have been shut, and you can just see like light piercing through a little crack. What the heck was that? Have you got like elephants? Brilliant. Sound effects for the right moment of the preach. If I talk about thunder, that happens. I like it. You're lying in bed and your your curtains are shut. You can see like a little stream of light piercing through. Just just a little like a little just pull of a curtain and light streams through. You can see as you look at Christ in the scriptures, so sometimes these little glimpses and pff, glory comes. In John 18, we read about Judas grabbing a little band of soldiers, some scribes, some Pharisees. They've come to arrest him. They've come to get him. We've got him. Judas betrayed him. And, they were like, and Jesus is like, who are you seeking? And they're like, the Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus just says this, I am he. And as he said it, you can read this in John 18, they all fell to the ground. It's like a little just glimpse of glory. He just let him see who you're about to arrest. I am he. Not just a man, he is a man. He's an almighty, powerful man. There's a little glimpse they fell on the ground. Like, God, what on earth just happened? Like, we better get on. Like, who is this guy? Throughout the Bible, you see glimpses of what God is like. 
when we draw near to the Holy of Holies, it's like the, the curtains just get open and open. You get to see who he is. You get to see what he's like. In Colossians 3 verse 1, it says, Set your minds not on things that are on earth. Yeah, nice chairs, great drums, good PA. Set your minds on things that are above, where Christ is seated. Set your minds on the things that are above, where Christ is seated. Where there's full of glory and power and splendor. And by the confidence we get in the blood of Jesus, we actually get to draw close and find ourselves in a place of holiness where if you told Moses, oh, by the way, I know, you know, there's this tabernacle and stuff. But in the New Testament, there'll be this time where you, that actual fire, you'll be able to get really close to it. It'll almost laugh at you. What are you on about? The throne and heavenly place of Christ is where there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels singing his holiness. It's why the sun, burning in its millions of degrees, day after day after day, just providing source and energy and light. Why does it actually burn? It burns for the glory of Christ. Just pointing back towards what he's like. It's the throne, the governing throne of eternity, where one sits on it, and the decisions that get made there govern the universe. It's a place of power. Or just a word comes out of his mouth and things change. We were praying about this earlier on just as a team in the prayer meeting. The voice of the Lord. Just one word of his voice. Things change. He sits there throned, crowned. It's where elders with all of their crowns and glory and gifting, they're throwing their crowns down and saying holy to this guy. It's where we see one who's got scars on his hands, who looks like a lamb who's been slain, who gave up his glory and sacrificed himself for the world and now has ascended and he hasn't got an average name he hasn't got a middle name you know like it's, it's okay he hasn't got a name that's kind of up there with the higher echelons of society he's not even like an influential name with a few million followers it's the name over every name the most followed person on instagram has got a few you know 100 million and the power in the name of jesus Seated in the Holy of Holies. Granted a name over every authority, every government, every situation you're in right now. He has authority over it. And because of his blood from the scars on his hands, we get to get really close to him in worship. And we aren't consumed. Friends, when we stand up and worship together in the spirit, this is a holy place. It's not just, come on, let's just sing some songs and wait for 10.45. No, let's draw near to heaven. Let the curtain be pulled back a bit and see your saviour again. Let his glory pierce the darkness of your soul. Align yourself again with who he is and join in with angels and elders and lay yourselves down and be greeted with mercy. Here's a phenomenal thing. The other time in Hebrews it says about confidence uh, is Hebrews 4. And it says... We approach the throne of grace. When we come to this throne and we're scared because of the power of it, it's actually not a throne. It is not listed and labeled in Hebrews 4. It's the throne of judgment or the throne of condemnation. It's actually described as a throne of grace where we receive mercy, find grace in our time of need. When we come to worship, even in the holy place, what we're met with, it's grace. It's mercy. So 
like, hey, I see you. Hey, I know you. Hey, the thing that you're going through, I've got a whole fresh batch of mercy just for your need. Who's got needs today? Relational needs, financial needs, spiritual needs, geographical needs, houses. Whatever your needs, he has what you need, mercy. His mercy and grace. And it comes from the holy place. And we don't have to pay to be there. We get to walk in by the blood of Jesus. Good news? So firstly, we have confidence by the blood of Jesus. Secondly, we enter the holy places, which obviously, as I said, big implications for worship, but also just for your day-to-day lives. When you get up and pray, I'm going to muster a few words, just stop and let his holiness come and penetrate into your soul again. Thirdly, it goes on to say in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. I find this really fascinating. You've got verse 19, 20, 21. It's like, therefore, because of this, because of this comma, and because of this, and because of this, and this, and this, and this, 22, let us draw near. So there's something about this gospel, this holy place, like, are we not already near then? I thought we were near. You know, I thought Christ lives in me and, and his spirit is in me. What is this like drawing near? Are we not near at all? It's another kind of paradox in, in the spirit. There's a sense where Jesus is in us and we're with him, we're in him. But there's something specific here the Bible lets us in on about making the choice to intentionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever, to draw near and draw close. It's not automatic. There's a drawing near which is intentional. Apparently, there's still closer we can go, right? So, I need a little volunteer for this one. Maybe someone on the front row called Zoe Brading. Zoe, up you come, love. Zoe. Right, will you stand here, okay? Face me. I'm going to come over this side. I'll just move this out of the way a little bit. That's all right. Um, right. Hiya. You can look me in the eye. I'll look you in the eye. You all right? Take a big step, just one step towards me. How do you feel? Good. Take another big step towards me. You all right? Yeah. Take, a, take a small step towards me. another step take another step how do you feel Great. <laughs> right you can sit down thanks so what does Zoe do In a very simple sense, she just drew near to me. And there's something about seeing someone at a distance, which is good, 
It's good to look someone in the eye when you talk to them. It's good to see someone's face when they talk to you back, right? To actually see the detail, their micro-expressions. You can tell from someone's face if they're not okay. You can also tell someone's face if they're not okay with you. You can see that in someone's eye, can't you? Zoe didn't see that with me. Zoe took a step towards me, took another step towards me, and as she got closer, I could actually start to feel, feel her presence a bit closer, feel her breath, embrace, just feel her heart, feel her closeness. This is what God invites us to do in verse 22 with him. What we learn from God is even though through the Old Testament, there's lots and lots there that shows us as him being in many ways distant and powerful. When Christ enters the scene, he tells us a different way. He says, when you pray, pray our Father. In John 4, true worshippers will worship the Father. Jesus has done this, given you confidence, made this holy place available so that you can draw near to the Father, so you can be close to him. What's his face like towards you? Is there anger in his eyes? Is, is he a bit cheesed off and annoyed? Is he like, you are draw close to, you are draw close to, oh my gosh, look at you, get away from me. No. It, all of us come to the Father by the blood of Jesus. I used to fear that God was angry with me. I misunderstood the gospel. I used to have a little bent in my heart that I would sort of have to try and worship, then he'd be okay with me. And I read in Isaiah 54 once, someone brought it in a prayer meeting, and I was in tears for about 10 minutes. Because I've made a promise, made a covenant like the days of Noah, that I will no longer be angry with you. I will not be angry with you. There is never a time when you draw near to God in worship and he is angry with you. He's let out his anger on his son. Jesus has taken it. That's not to say like he excuses sin or it's fine, but it just means there's days when you absolutely blow it. And he's like, well, we're in a mess here. I've got mercy for this. We're going to get you through it. Yeah, there's consequences. You know, there's, there's discipline in that sense. You have to learn, you have to grow. But just so you know, that whole process, I'm with you and I love you. I've got you. I've got you. It's the kind of father he is. I was in a prayer meeting um, when I was on staff in the early days of Emmanuel, which was CCK. I had the privilege of being in a prayer meeting with Terry Virgo, who started our movement of churches, New Frontiers. One thing I learned about being in a prayer meeting with Terry, he had like a refusal to disengage. No matter how long the prayer meeting, it, I never didn't see him like this. And as a young 20-year-old on staff, you know, we'd sing a couple of songs in a prayer meeting. It was good. But very quickly, you just sort of, your eyes around the room, you're just looking at stuff. I'm quite an observant person, so I'd just be looking at stuff. So, yeah, we'd be praying together. Might be a song I like, enjoy. Might be a song I even start. But while I'm singing it, even, you are the everlasting God. The ever what is the texture of that wall over there? <laughs> it's really different to this wall. Do not faint, you won't grow. It's that side as well. And my like staff prayer from nine to ten to thirty 
We'll just be dotted in and out of just thoughts, observations, food. Thinking about my lunch in the fridge upstairs and it'd be better to microwave it all in one go or take it off the microwave that, yeah, all this stuff. What I noticed with Terry, he had a refusal to disengage. He would just be like, he would shut his eyes at 10 past nine when we started and not open them until half 10 and just be on the front foot leading. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm just going to try it. So next week on a Tuesday morning, staff prayer, 10 past nine, I was like, right, I'm going to shut my eyes. And if someone else prays out, I'm going to make that like my prayer. And we're on the heels of that prayer and amen it and just in my heart agree with those words. Until someone else prays out, I'm going to just do the same thing. I'm going to stay mentally like engaged but also just emotionally, physically, I'm going to just try and keep my eyes, Colossians 3 verse 1, on things that are on above, not on things that are on earth. 10 past 9, Simon starts to worship. 9.15, just sensing I'm in the holy place. 9.20, feeling the power and presence of God close to me. 9.30, starting a song, bringing a prayer, not coming from a place of should, but coming out of my heart, out of something I've seen from him. At 9.45, feeling filled with the power of God. By 10.30, I think it was the most powerful experience of God's presence I probably had in that year, easily. Maybe a couple of years. I just, what an encounter with God. What happened there? I just decided to draw near to God. A.W. Tozer says this, you can have as much of God as you want. There's actually no rules. There's no one looking around and just be like, it's the police. Like, oh, row 3B, eyes open. Okay. (laughs) Talk to Dan on the hit list. What's going on? (laughs) There's no rules. God's merciful. Who doesn't want to be near God, though? In the Psalms, it says, as for me, it's good to be near God. To have your spirit come alive. To be refreshed. To see him afresh. To let lies fall to the ground. And we get to do this all of the time. So I'm going to ask you right now just to close your eyes. And I want you to do this. In your heart, draw near to him. Picture the father, the smile in his face, the anger in his eyes, looking at you in the face. Sense him smiling at you. And just in your heart, start to take some steps towards him. I'll be quiet for a bit. Now take another step. Now take another step. Sense his smile. He's not angry. He's not disappointed. Now let him speak. Just listen. I wonder what he'll say. All right. You can open your eyes. Who begun to sense God's presence? Just give us a little by show of hands. So that was in like two minutes with no music. We don't, you know, music's amazing and important to sing. But this is what Jesus has done for us his blood his relationship with the father he shares with us 
when we draw near to God in worship, he's got so much to give us, so much of his presence. He wants to draw you close to him. You're not an orphan, you're not on your own. And when you approach him, his face is always happy. Quick parenting tip for you. The most important six minutes of your parenting day, the two minutes where your kids first wake up, the two minutes they get home from school, and the last two minutes before they go to bed. Always try and have the face that says, I'm so pleased to see you. When the kids come running through in the morning, or come from school, I am pleased to see you. To end the day, to let them know I am pleased with them, I love them. You know, he's not just like that for six minutes. He's like that all the time. Um, I've run out of time, but we're going to worship again this evening. Um, we're going to take an hour to draw near to God, to experience his glory and to come and love him afresh. We might have time to sing a, a chorus or something, but um, yeah, I'll leave it there.